1: With Discover, limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
0: The Volume.
1: All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight here at The Volume. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy free agency day. Um, Obviously not the most exciting free agency in the world from the standpoint of superstars changing teams, but a lot of really high-level role players, either re-upping with teams, giving them a chance to run it back, or going to new teams with the opportunity to push them over the top. So for all you basketball nutjobs out there, still an entertaining free agency, to say the least. We're going to hit on seven different teams today. The Golden State Warriors, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Phoenix Suns, the Dallas Mavericks, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Chicago Bulls and the Portland Trailblazers. And then at the tail end of the show, I'm going to give my two cents on the James Harden situation and his trade request. You guys know the drill. Before we get started, subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. And if for whatever reason you guys miss one of these shows and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish, don't forget you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. All right, let's talk some basketball. So starting with the Golden State Warriors... They had to retain Draymond, and they did so. Four years, $100 million. Shout out to Mike Dunleavy and the uh, ownership group for recognizing the value that is with Draymond Green. It's really this simple to me. I know there's a contingent of Warriors fans that looks at his offensive limitations and some of his histrionics as something that's infuriating and that a lot of you guys wanted to get rid of him. But the reality was is you had no chance to uh, contend for an NBA championship without Draymond Green on your roster. He's the kind of player that I've always gravitated towards. Uh, yes, he also works at the same company as I do, but that has nothing to do with it. As a basketball fan, those of you guys have been watching this show for a while know guys like this are guys that have always valued a great deal, the guys that do all of the little things that help teams win basketball games. And make no mistake, as Steve Kerr has said many times, had the Warriors let go of Draymond Green, they would have immediately lost the ability to contend for NBA championships. Once again last year, as has been the case for the most part throughout this entire era, the Warriors were monumentally better with Draymond on the floor versus when he was off. The Warriors were 14 points better Per 100 possessions with Draymond on the floor versus when he was off the floor, which was by far the best on the team among their core rotation players. You need Draymond Green on the Warriors to have a chance to win. End of story. They paid what they needed to pay to keep him around. I'm happy for Draymond as a basketball fan. I want to see him retire there anyway. And this gives us a very interesting Warriors team to cover over the course of the next couple of years. He's the fulcrum of their defense. This is a team that's going to be leaning more heavily on pick and roll than ever with the addition of Chris Paul. Draymond Green's arguably the best short-roll passer in the league. You needed him. You kept him. Kudos to the Warriors. It had to be done. Uh, There's also some reports out there that Dario Saric is likely, quote-unquote, to select the Warriors. That signing is not official yet. But I like that as well. Once again, leaning more on pick and roll. He is a excellent short roll player with OKC. He averaged 1.32 points per possession in pick and pops and pick and rolls. That was in the 82nd percentile around the league. Um... He also shot a 57% effective field goal percentage on catch-and-shoot jump shots with OKC. So there's your stretch big that the Warriors had with Nemanja Bialica, which worked really well. And this is kind of like a bigger, stronger version of that in Dario Saric. I like that as a potential pickup. He also shot really well on floaters and hooks and at the rim. I think he's a good offensive big to kind of complement what Kevon Looney and Draymond Green bring to the table in the front court all right moving on to the los angeles lakers and their shocking signing of gabe vincent from the nba finalist miami heat for three years and 33 million dollars this is definitely not the type of player i was expecting the lakers to go after i thought they'd go after a bigger athlete guard like bruce brown which obviously they were priced out of but i thought they'd be targeting a player in that kind of archetype or a legit backup center someone like brooke lopez Or of a similar mold. Um, That said, backcourt skill we saw last year with D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves works really well with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And Gabe Vincent was a better playoff player in this playoff run than D'Angelo Russell was as a two-way guard at the point of attack as well as on the offensive end running pick and rolls. He was a very successful pick and roll ball handler this year in the postseason. The uh, Heat ran 213 Gabe Vincent pick and rolls. That led to 225 points, including passes. That's 1.06 points per possession, which is excellent. 1.26 1.26 points per possession in spot-up situations, so he's great knocking down catch-and-shoot jumpers and attacking closeouts. 65% effective field goal percentage on catch-and-shoot jumpers, 47% effective field goal percentage on pull-up jumpers, and 44% on floaters. So, not what I was expecting, but more offensive skill around LeBron James and Anthony Davis and a very good compliment to Austin Reeves. And so an interesting signing to say the least. I, I wonder if it's going to give them a little bit more leverage to potentially get a discount on D'Angelo Russell, because if you get Gabe Vincent at 11 million, which might seem like a little high, but you get D'Angelo Russell for less because you're effectively demonstrating to him that you don't need him. So to speak, that might end up working out in the long run. It's definitely a, a bigger number, than I would like for a team like the Lakers to spend on a player like Gabe Vincent. That said, I'm very happy for Gabe Vincent and for Bruce Brown, who signed for the Pacers uh, at two years, $45 million. It's a great example of the fact that Doing things within a winning concept will always get you further than putting up numbers in a different type of situation. This goes beyond the NBA. To all of you kids out there that are playing in high school, playing in junior college, trying to get the right type of college scholarship, you will get more looks in a winning concept. So finding a way to help your team win basketball games, playing for a winner will always go a longer way towards getting you to the next level as a basketball player than doing things within a losing concept. Bruce Brown... And Gabe Vincent, neither of them put up fantastic numbers in this postseason run, but they both played vital roles in the backcourt for teams that won three playoff series or four in the case of Denver. And as a result, they've amassed, what's this, $78 million worth in salaries that they've signed this summer. So it's a good lesson for young basketball players. Focus on winning first, not your numbers. Focus on winning. That's how you're going to get that perfect college scholarship that's how you're going to get to transfer to the school you want to go to that's how you're going to get that good deal if you're playing overseas and that's how you're going to get more money when you're playing in the NBA another big signing for the Lakers for the biannual exception Torian Prince to me just a textbook like league average wing kind of like that like uh replacement player type level wing in the NBA he's not a great athlete but he has good measurables he's six foot eight With a 6'11 and a half wingspan. Shot 41% on catch and shoot jumpers last year. 61% effective field goal percentage when you weight that for threes. So he's a very good catch and shoot shooter. A little bit of an in-between game. He's got uh, a little bit of that extra scoring chops. Like I always talk about scoring ability is almost a natural ability. It's like a creativity mixed with audacity. Torian Prince has a good amount of that. Um, it's why he was up over a point per possession in isolation situations last year, although in low volume. So he definitely brings just a little bit more offensive punch for the position. Not a fantastic defender at the position like he used to be when he was younger. Um, but he's a good piece for depth. And depth matters in the NBA, especially for teams like the Lakers. Because let's say LeBron or AD have to miss a game, and all of a sudden your aggregate size takes a, a, a nosedive, right? Right. When you have guys like Austin Reeves and Gabe Vincent running pick and rolls all night, while guys like Torian Prince and Rui Hachimura and Jared Vanderbilt are flying around on defense, you give yourself a decent chance to compete, especially at home, playing in front of the energy of your home crowd. So, and whereas when you're tiny and you lose guys like LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you're just completely hopeless. So, definitely like the uh, Torian Prince signing just for depth on the wing. The Lakers have a legit core of forwards now that they did not have in previous seasons. Moving on to the Suns. So they re signed Josh Okoji and Damian Lee. Definitely a couple of decent backcourt pieces. Lee's an outstanding shooter. Okoji's an outstanding point of attack defender. They get Yuna Wananabe, I'm guessing from the, his uh, friendship with Kevin Durant from when they were teammates. points per jump shot last year with the Brooklyn Nets. That was third out of 253 players to attempt at least 150 jump shots. So one of the best knockdown spot-up shooters in the league with outstanding length for his position Loved that signing. They also picked up Chimezi Metu and Drew Eubanks. A couple of big athletic forwards at discounts. So, again, this is what the Suns had to do. They had to find discounted talent, preferably guys that had motor and length and athleticism in the front court, and they did that. So, kudos to the Phoenix Suns. Will it be enough to bang with Nikola Jokic and the rest of the Nuggets roster for a seven-gamer? That remains to be seen. But given the situation after they made the Bradley Beal trade, this is pretty well done at that point. The Mavs signed Kyrie Irving for three years and $126 million. So um, Kyrie gets his paycheck. Not completely surprising, especially when you consider the fact that Kyrie's really freaking good at basketball. You know, the talking point that gets most frequently overlooked when we talk about Kyrie Irving. Uh, Really take a deep look at the way the Mavericks played after the Kyrie Irving trade. They were better with Kyrie on the floor than they were with Luka on the floor. He is still one of the most outstanding high pick-and-roll and and isolation shot creators in the league. He brings a great deal of variety that makes him very difficult to guard. He's an underrated passer. When he competes defensively, he can be a good defender as well. I'm a huge Kyrie fan. I know the off-court stuff is an issue. Uh, Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in the next three years, Kyrie tried to force his way out. Kyrie, generally speaking, is devoted when he's happy and looking to – to mess shit up, for lack of a better term, when he's unhappy. But the Mavs did what they had to do. They flipped a bunch of assets for Kyrie. They had to re-sign the asset. And here's the thing. If Kyrie is unhappy at the deadline and they flip him to some other team, you're going to get assets back. And that's all that matters. They needed to resign him to maintain the asset. They did so. My guess is they give it a go. But if they're underwhelming around the deadline, don't be surprised if Kyrie tries to force his way out again. He really did this all for the payday. As we know, the Brooklyn Nets at the deadline last year were kicking everybody's ass. They were in great shape. Other than the Kevin Durant injury... Kyrie forced his way out strictly because the Brooklyn Nets would not re-sign him to the dollar amount he wanted. This was a purely financial move. As long as the uh, Mavs are viable on the court, I think he'll be fine, and I think he'll be devoted. But, you know, this is the business, and don't be surprised if during that deal he's playing for another team.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, And the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject
1: to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano. of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home services marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, Come to ANG to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well. It's something that I've always been a big believer in. When Usually when you try to take on a project that you don't know how to do, it ends up just being a bigger headache as you try to learn and then you end up making mistakes and it ends up just not being worth it. Not only can a professional get the job done more efficiently, but you're also supporting local businesses in your area. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job is done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process. Angie makes completing home projects easy. Angie has cost guides to tell you what others have paid for similar projects, both nationally and in your area. The app is free and easy to use. We all know the difficulties that can come with home projects. Angie makes tackling your project as simple as possible from start to finish. Turn to Angie with confidence, even for major renovations or emergency repairs. Are you renting? Even renters can come to Angie for moving installations and cleaning. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com or download the app today. The Cavaliers re-signed Karis LeVert, but the interesting one is they signed Georges Nier from the Philadelphia 76ers for three years and $26 I love this signing, particularly because they are so damn athletic in the front court with uh, Evan Mobley and with... uh, Uh, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley can guard three. So you don't need Georges Niang to fly around on the perimeter guarding quicker players, but they desperately needed a reliable wing shooter to open things up and pick and roll so that teams could stop guarding the Cavs pick and rolls of Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland three on two. And Georges Niang is a deadly spot up shooter in this league. So I love that signing for them as well. The Chicago Bulls signed Javon Carter. Now they have a very interesting defensive backcourt between Alex Caruso, Ayodele Sunmo, and Javon Carter. They are going to be a frightening ball pressure team, especially since Alex Caruso and Ayodele Sunmo are both big, strong athletes for their position. They can play three-guard lineups now, and don't be surprised if that team is devastating defensively in the regular season just because of their point-of-attack defense. And then again, like, you know, I I always talk about rim protection as a product of two different things. Rim protection is a product of your size and athleticism around the rim, but it's also a product of your perimeter contain. If you can contain ball handlers on the perimeter, you shut down driving lanes. If you shut down driving lanes, then they're not getting all the way to the rim anyway. And we saw kind of a version of this at the, just before... Lonzo Ball got injured when he first signed with the Bulls, when you saw Lonzo and Alex just picking up guards full court and just making life hell for them on the perimeter. I really like that signing for the Bulls. They are going to be a frightening perimeter defense team, which is going to keep them in a lot of games over the course of the regular season. And last but not least on the free agent agent front, the Portland Trailblazers re-signing Jeremy Grant for five years and $160 million. Now, it seems like a lot of money. But I actually like this move. I think it's smart, regardless of what the Blazers decide to do. Whether they decide to get rid of uh, of um, Damian Lillard and go full rebuild, or they decide to, um, or they decide to keep Dame and try to compete for a title within this window. That's a tradable contract. It's only thirty two million dollars per year. You've got a new TV deal coming in 2025 that's going to dramatically increase the salary cap, making that look a lot more like a $20 million deal or a $15 million deal per year. That's going to be a deal they can move. And here's the thing with Jeremy Grant. He's a big, strong athlete with excellent physical tools. He's over a point per possession in pick and roll and in post-up situations. He can guard multiple decision uh, positions, and he's an outstanding catch-and-shoot player. So guess what? Like For the same reason that... Andrew Wiggins is worth that much money. Jeremy Grant's worth that much money too. And whether he ends up helping the Blazers within this window or getting flipped for assets to help some other team down the line, just like we were talking about, earlier, you've got to maintain the asset. And the Blazers did so by re-signing Jeremy Grant. All right, last but not least, before we get out of here, let's talk about this James Harden thing. So obviously I read the athletic report last night. I um, I believe it was Sam Amick. I'm not 100% sure who wrote it. But I also uh, kind of t- texted some of the people that I know that are connected around the league and just tried to get a feel for the situation. And, and the best that I could figure out is that um, James Harden, Wanted to go to Houston, but it was really a leverage play. And so he was putting out all these reports, leaking all these all this information to the media about how he was going to go to Houston. He was going to go to Houston. It started as far back as Christmas Day. And all of these Easter eggs that he's dropping about how he's going to Houston, basically with the intention of trying to leverage Daryl Morey to give him the deal that he wanted, right? Right. As it turns out, from what I've heard from behind the scenes, I'm not sure Houston was really all that interested in him to begin with for obvious reasons. It didn't make a ton of sense even when it was originally getting reported, right? They had all this calf space, but they have all these young guards that they're trying to develop. It didn't make a ton of sense. Well, um, it turns out that uh, Daryl Morey basically called his bluff and was like, okay, go out and get uh, get yourself a deal. And whatever it is, we'll, we'll discuss a deal for you at that point. And turned out Houston didn't want him. uh, As was reported in the athletic report, it looks like he wanted to potentially be the guy that got traded to Phoenix instead of Bradley Beal, and then that didn't work out. And then suddenly there were no suitors, and his best situation was just to opt into the contract and to demand a trade. There was this interesting report that came out last night that James Harden was frustrated with the way... That um that the Sixers front office handled this whole situation, but again, from what I've heard about the situation, it feels more like it was James Harden who overplayed his hand. Now on the trade front, here's the thing with James Harden. I went back and looked because you know I was a bit, I've I've been a big defender of James Harden in this particular season, and he had some really good moments in this playoff run. Again, like he hit two game winners in the Celtics series, like he straight up won two of the games. But as you look a little bit closer these are crazy stats. Six of the 11 playoff games that James Harden played in, he shot below 30%. In four of those six games, he had five plus turnovers. And the Sixers went two and four in those six games. And that outweighs some of the top end that you saw in the better moments of James Harden's playoff run. So here's the thing. Do I think James Harden is some sort of star player that can that can push your team to championship contention when you're at some tier below that, probably not. I, I his inconsistencies are, are are just too much of a threat there. That said, James Harden is still one of the very best advantage creators in our league. He's very good at warping the defense one way or another getting multiple defenders to pay attention to him. That creates advantage situations for your spot-up players, for your role men, for all of your role players on the court that will struggle to attack a set defense. So there is still value... In having James Harden on a basketball team. The problem is he cannot be the guy that's deciding every possession for you at the end of basketball games. And that kind of fundamentally was the issue for the Sixers is because James Harden has his offensive limitations and inconsistencies, and Joel Embiid struggles so mightily – to um to handle double teams and to score in the physicality of the NBA playoffs where his efficiency takes tanks and his volume tanks every single season. That pairing doesn't work. But what if James Harden was on like a team like the Miami Heat, where suddenly he's playing advantage creator for 45 minutes a game and then in comes Uh, uh, Jimmy Butler to close the game at the end where he's going to be a more uh, reliably great player in that setting. I'm not even saying necessarily the Heat, but there's got to be some team out there that sees value in James Harden, especially if they have the ability to take the keys away from him in late game situations when he does not have it going, which is going to be about half the time when you get to the NBA playoffs. So, Again, he overplayed his hand, but he's going to get a suit. There's going to be someone out there who trades for him. I've heard that the Clippers are interested. I've heard that the Knicks are potentially interested. Don't hate any of those options. Um, For the Clippers in particular, here's what would concern me. Why are you giving up Terrence Mann? Terrence Mann's a really, really good basketball player, like an outstanding basketball player. And it kind of fits into that, like, mold of the Bruce Brown type of stocky guard that succeeds so much in the NBA playoffs. And so it's not so much that I dislike the James Harden fit with the Clippers because it makes a lot of sense. He's a game manager when Paul George and Kawhi struggle with game management. He's a guy that that you can take the ball out of his hands in late game situations and give it to Kawhi, right? There's a lot of advantages there. But if you're giving up Terrence Mann and Norman Powell, if you're giving up that kind of depth... I started to get a little worried about it. So again, for, for the right team, without having to give too much up, I think James Harden can still help a team win and still even at a championship level. It just it wasn't working in Philly. Uh The dynamic between him and Joel Embiid was too inconsistent in the NBA playoffs, and he overplayed his hand. And so he didn't get the deal he wanted, and now he's going to have to play one additional season. But here's the other thing, too, and this is the last thing I'll say about it. Like if you're the team that gets James Harden, you're getting him in a contract year and you're getting him in a contract year after an offseason where he disappointingly did not get the deal he wanted. So you might get the most motivated version of James Harden next season. And that is appealing on a bunch of different levels. All right, guys, that is all I have for right now. Um, as n- news continues to pour in over the next couple of days, I was supposed to fly out to Texas this morning. Long story, but travel snafu, I'm actually flying out this mo- uh, tomorrow morning But I get back uh, just about 3 p.m. Pacific time tomorrow. So if anything goes down over the course of the next day or so, we'll have another video on Sunday evening. As always, I sincerely appreciate you guys, and I will see you at some point in the next couple of days.